Man, there are some crazy-ass stories, but I think I'll save those for the movie. Hello, and welcome to the episode where I talk about a special group of guys I had the honor of playing with in a band called Amberane. And really, the outcome of this band was one of the main reasons I put this talk show together. As a platform for up-and-coming musicians, songwriters, and basically creative people to showcase their music and give us the backstories on the Better Each Day podcast radio show. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. Amber Rain was really the first serious rock band I played in. The members, and all of them sang, were Sandy Murchie, lead vocals, Dick Murchie, keyboards, Rick Fry, rhythm guitar, Steve Tobeck, bass, Rick Tippett on drums, and of course yours truly, Brucey on lead guitar. We started in 1974 and basically played through 1977. The band did kind of play on after that, but I think our glory years were really during that period of time. And this was the lineup that opened for Hart, the Ramones, Dr. Hook, and recording artists including Lee Michaels, and on and on. These were a few special years of our lives that involved hard work and fun. We wrote rehearsed, performed, fought, loved. We lived together, we ate together, we ran together. We rehearsed in basements, an attic, garages, and even the loft of a barn in the boonies out in East Hoquiam. When the band was formed, we were ages probably 18 to maybe 22. We immediately agreed to rehearse until we were ready. So we practiced for probably five or six months before we ever performed anywhere, mostly in, a, in that barn it didn't really have stairs. It had a ladder that had like maybe six inch wide rungs on it at a 45 degree angle. You really couldn't call it stairs. It was a, it was a ladder. Yeah. And mostly in that barn out in the middle of nowhere. And our equipment was big and heavy, ranging from guitars to drums, keyboards, and Steve's bass speaker cabinet, a Sirwin Vega about the size of a refrigerator. FM radio, acetate shirts, bell-bottoms, platform shoes, and we were full of juice. We started out and always agreed on focusing on original material. We were influenced by any music with vocals up front, and that was probably the best vocal group I ever worked with, for any stretch of time anyway. We played mostly taverns, ranging from stale beer, cigarette-infused dives to biker bars, a strip joint or two, and basically anywhere that would hire us. We were warned about playing originals, so we always were sure to include about 70% covers. It would be like Kiss, Beatles, Uriah Heep, Blue Oyster Cult, Ted Nugent, Elton John. Music people knew that could get drunk and dance to. In this business, your job is to sell beer, basically. So that's what we did. And you'd always hear somebody screaming out, Play Freebird! We never did play it, but we rocked. Lead vocalist Sandy Murchie and I met in kindergarten. We spent all our time together. We were like brothers, and we always wanted a band. And now we were doing it. It was so cool. The band was really getting close, too. 
We were good friends. We still had day gigs in school. We always had fun together. But being young, single, and crazy, and having a hot rock band, it just didn't get any better than that. Without ever hearing our music played on any radio station's playlist, we still were ready for the next step. Our manager, Rick Burgess, was huge on taking his career to the next level, too. He owned probably the hottest club around for a 50-mile radius called The Rocker, and we eventually were received by packed crowds, and they liked our originals. Then Rick began promoting concerts and booking us as the openers. One day, we did a low-budget recording session in a house on 2nd Street in Aberdeen, an area now known as Felony Flats, a house that is now adjacent to Kurt Cobain Park. The vocals were recorded in a kitchen cluttered with dirty dishes, dead soldiers, and cigarette butts. I really wish we would have put this one on a 45. It's a song by Dick Murchie called Everybody.
What we're listening to are songs that were originally recorded on a reel-to-reel, then mixed onto a cassette tape, and that's what I have. It's a cassette tape, nothing great. They were recorded in one or two takes by my brother Gary, and the entire project was done in probably, I don't know, an afternoon and an evening for about 20 bucks, plus a couple bucks for beer. The next song was written by Sandy, and it's one of, I think, three songs where Rick Fry plays saxophone and I play trumpet. It's called It's Only for the Best. Oh, la. 
Heidi High and Do You Know What I Mean. Those were a couple songs by Lee Michaels. And here's the thing with him. When we opened for him, he'd been gone for like three or four years. And I asked him, well, where have you been? And he said, Hawaii, surfing. Uh, so he was gone partying. He kind of lost his mojo with his audience. So we had a really good response. He came out, played. He played really well, but he didn't get an encore, and he was pissed. So he went back out on the stage, and he dropped trowel, and he mooned the audience. And he, as he left the stage, I was kind of off stage, so the audience couldn't see me cracking up. But he slapped me a high five, and uh, I guess that's the first time I played with somebody that was on his way out. Rick Burgess booked us with the Ramones. Now, I didn't know who they were. They were an East Coast band. They played CBGBs a lot. That's about all I knew. They didn't have anything on the radio. And when they played, they used our equipment and they cranked it up to 11. And they were like, shut up, I'm talking here. That's how they were on stage. Off stage, quiet, polite, and shy. Then we did four shows with Dr. Hook. They were great. They loved to party, stay up all night. They had hits. They had Sylvia's mother cover the Rolling Stone, only 16, when you're in love with a beautiful woman. We played some pretty big stages with them, including the Paramount in Seattle. I remember the freight elevator had every celebrity in the world's autograph on it, or so it seemed. It was a great experience. I saved the heart story for last, and you'll see why. They were a new band from the greater Seattle area. They had a new record out called Dreamboat Annie. I didn't know much about them. I knew the record was doing well. Steve Fossen, the bass player, was on the show oh, several episodes back, and he talks about how the band was formed, and he even remembers playing at the Harborina in Hoquiam. I kind of hung with the band all day long. They were professional and confident. I was about 19 or 20 and kind of giddy and weird. I remember Mike DeRocher, the drummer, was playing his sound check, and he went on and on. It seemed like for two hours playing triplets, but da but da but da but I'm out there. Come on, man, get done. We have to do our sound check. And finally we did. But during the day, I'd sat out in the seats of the theater with Ann and Nancy, and I overheard a conversation between the two of them and their big sheepdog. And the essence of it was something like this. Hey, the Beatles split up. It had been like five or six years. And someday Led Zeppelin's going to split up and somebody's going to have to carry the torch and it's going to be us. And I thought, somebody could be listening to that and think, these guys are just full of shit and arrogant as hell. I didn't think that. For some reason, they had some fierce pride and I knew someday something was going to happen. And sure enough, it did. When I was 21, I decided it was time to go to school, get a degree or two, and go on and get a real job for corporate America. So I did. And about 35 years went by, and I happened to be putting the television on. It's the year 2012. I just happened to tune into a Kennedy Center's honors program with Led Zeppelin. And in the balcony with Barack and Michelle Obama were the surviving members of Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, and John Paul Jones. It was emotional and on the stage were Anna and Nancy Wilson. They performed Stairway to Heaven. And you could see it visibly move the guys in Led Zeppelin. It was quite a show. There must have been 3,000 people on stage, including a couple choirs. Uh, the whole nine yards. And, and there it was. Anna and Nancy were carrying the torch, or at least keeping it lit brightly. 
The final song of our set at that heart concert was a song that I wrote called On the Moon. It features Dick and me trading solos, then there's a long jam with Steve Tobeck's bass, and then a big-ass ending with Sandy hitting a note, listen for it, that only your dog can hear. As we ran off the stage, the members of Heart were standing by to go on. Nancy, who was looking just like Nancy Wilson from Heart, leaned over to my ear and said, You guys were awesome.
to the Better Each Day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. We're all just trying to make the next day a bit better.